Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Good morning. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for what you've already said, what you've already spoken. Lord, we're so blessed. We're so privileged. We are grateful sons and daughters of the Most High. I thank you for the opportunity to worship you, that you make it easy for us to step into your presence. I thank you for that we get to connect with you in worship. We get to experience you, Holy Spirit, in our time of worship. But Father, I also thank you for the opportunity to open up the word of God, to hear your voice in print, to understand and comprehend what you're really like, that we wouldn't bring you Uh, that I wouldn't bring you down to my level, but, Father, that I would rise up with you to see you as you really are, to experience you through the word of God, to hear your voice. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would illuminate the scriptures to me, to us this morning. You would open my eyes to comprehend and understand your will, your ways, the principles of the kingdom, what matters to you, and not just to our world or our, our culture. But Father, what's important to you? Help me to hear your voice this morning. Open my eyes. Open our eyes. Father, I confess, we have soft hearts. And we want to hear you this morning. Lord, we, we want to walk out different. We want to walk out with a different pep in our step. A different determination to be all that you called us to be, to not settle for anything less than who we're called to be or what we're called to do. Bless us, Father, as we look into your word in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen. My name is Tom Kyle. My lovely wife is in the front row. Randy, we uh, are privileged to serve in this body. We love it. We are so honored to be amongst you. And it's fun. I was just out walking early this morning and I was just, I was just praying and I say, Father, I am so grateful and thankful for the people in this body. All the people who do all the things like we had the, it wasn't the, what'd you call Friday night? It wasn't the mariachi band night. Party on the patio. All these people just came and set stuff up. They tore things down in a positive way. And it's just, you know, with the sound team, the worship team, kids serving in children's church, and you just, we, we, are, we are blessed and privileged to be part of this family and community, and you make it fun to be here. So I, for my wife and I, we just say thank you so much for the amazing people that serve in this body. And I, and I, was, just, I was just going through my mind, all the people that maybe you don't ever see, right. that you don't uh, see the person who is cleaning the, the floors and preparing the, the security system and setting the temperatures and everything. It's just like, you just step in. It's like you step into a banquet and a feast, and it's like we, I can just sit down, fat, dumb, and happy, and just start eating. Hey, this is good, and never bother to say <laughs> thank you to anybody who's actually doing the labor. And, I was, and again, I was just thinking about this morning, all the treasures laid up for those people who serve. And don't get the appreciation, don't get the applause, don't get the acknowledgement. There is a day coming. There's a day coming when we'll stand before him 
and he will reward us. And I, and I, um, when I was 18 years old, I was privileged to be discipled by now a very famous man. He was just the youth pastor then. And he just drilled it into me my first 18 months as a Christian, how to live life in light of eternity. That these, these days are just light and fleeting and temporary. But he just said, Tom, there's a day we're going to stand before him. And we're going to be acknowledged and honored. It could be gold, sil silver, and precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. Live life in light of eternity. When things don't go your way, don't back off. Don't quit. Don't step aside. Do everything for Jesus, not for the applause of men or the recognition of the so-called important people. It's all unto Jesus. Live in light of eternity. So again, it's just, you're so thankful, the investment that people put inside of you. And I was an 18-year-old, snot-nosed. Um, I had hair. That was probably my only feature. That I was fast and I had hair. That's it. That's all I had. That's all I brought to the table. But people invested in me. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. When I was of, of no account, you know, other people were getting invited to going to Bible school. And I kind of was like, like no, no, you sh sh just be quiet. Sit down. But people still took time to speak the word of God into me and have Bible studies and, you know, just call me by name and invite me in. And I wonder if that's part of the change that God's calling for us to take my life and invest in other people, to be purposeful, intentional, and to step out. And maybe that person says, no, I'm not interested, and to not worry about feeling rejected. But maybe it's a day to step out and start investing into people and getting out of my comfort zone or my safety zone or my security zone that really isn't very safe, really isn't very secure, and it's not very fun. But maybe it's a day for change and to believe God wants to use me. This morning, you saw someone operating in a gift, uh, the gift of tongues. You can read about it in 1 Corinthians 14. If that's weird and freaky for you, okay, yeah, I agree. But it's the gift of the Holy Spirit that you don't see on Channel 5 News or on Fox News. But it's the gifts of the Holy Spirit in operation in a church with the gift of interpretation. And it's the Holy Spirit trying and does get our attention. He uses unusual means, whether it's a, a burning bush or a, a sea that parts, or gifts of the Holy Spirit that look and sound different. He's not a boring God. Right. And he, he uses things to gain and garner our attention if we're listening. Right. So you see things maybe in this church that you won't see in some other churches. And I say, thank you, God. We don't try and manufacture things, but just in sensitivity. You say, Lord, use me. How would you like to use me? And so if you see some things here, and you're like, where is it? Try, just try reading the book of Corinthians. There's a lot of explanation, the book of Acts, about the role of the Holy Spirit. This morning, I would like to talk about something. Every once in a while, people will ask, say, why do you make such a big deal out of praying for two churches every single Sunday? Or three, for some of us who can't count. Or in the bonus round, in the bonus round, two plus one. Why do you pray for two churches? And it's something that we started at the, the very inception of this church, probably almost, uh, almost nine years ago. Why do we do that? What's, what's the value? What's, what's going on? And I think for, for me, one of the things that the Holy Spirit spoke to my wife and I 
was in coming back to St. Louis, not knowing initially that we were going to plant a church, but just desiring, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in St. Louis? From, from our background, we were very involved in a Holy Spirit-oriented church. And so many of our friends coming back almost 35 years later had kind of given up on Holy Spirit, given up on things of the Spirit. It just wasn't done. Theology was what everyone was pursuing. And uh, plans and programs, and there's nothing wrong with e any of those. But it's theology with Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's teaching with Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God with Holy Spirit. It's not one or the other. It's both. And I've said here before, theology without the Holy Spirit lends me very vulnerable to being a Pharisee. Very vulnerable. The Holy Spirit without the Word makes me very vulnerable to be more weird. Did you notice the word I inserted in there? More. Holy Spirit without the Word leaves us adrift for weirdness and... Um, False doctrine and false teaching. We, we have to have the Word of God with the Holy Spirit. But it's not one with the exception of the other. And as I look into the Word, I think, Lord, what's important? What are you emphasizing? And we have begun a series on family. We've several weeks ago, many weeks ago, and I just want to continue touching on that. And it's, why do we pray for two churches? Because we are part of a family. And one of the things that uh, any person who's gone to church for any amount of time understands all the different branches, all the different tributaries, all the different churches. And one of the things that we say in this church is we all wear the same jersey, the same color jersey. You know, you go to a baseball game. I love baseball. In St. Louis, we have the privilege of having a professional baseball as opposed to like the Cubs and, you know, other things like that. So if you're a Cubs fan, it's okay. You can like minor league baseball. But when you go to Bush Stadium, they're all wearing a white jersey. There's one bat, two birds, and it all looks the same. Same color hats, same color jerseys. And only on the back do you see the difference. Maybe the numbers are different. They will be. Or the name is on the back. But when you look at the team, it's a team. I think there's 25 players out there available. My numbers could be off. I know there's nine that start. <laughs> but in the church of Jesus Christ, we all wear the same color jersey. Yes. And again, if you've been around long enough, that's a challenge for so many people. I was raised as a, a rock-throwing Pharisee. I was very gifted at throwing rocks. I could tell you why that church won't make it, that church won't make it, why we're better than them filled with arrogance and filled with a lot of stuff that wasn't good. But as we uh, grew as Christians, my wife and I, and we were able to do some traveling in different churches, we began to understand God's heart for his bride. Yeah. The church, not churches, the church. Amen. And I'm getting way, way, way ahead of myself. But there's a scripture, I don't know if you can find it, um, Revelation 19.7. This is, I'm, I'm closing, I'm opening with my clothes. It's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Revelation 19, 7, it says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride, singular. His bride, 
has made herself ready. Why do we pray for two churches? Because we're part of a team. We're no better, no worse. We're not the ugly stepsister. We're not, we're not the superstar. We're just part of a bride made of one. Why do we have a heart for other churches in this church? Because he's coming back for one. And we have the privilege of being part of it. And anything that I can do, anything that we can do to promote unity, to promote, to promote family, I want in. I've lived in St. Louis four different times, in and out for different reasons. But as I come back to St. Louis, I think, Father, what's your heart for the city? It's not to have one, two, or three superstar churches with superstar leaders. It's that the church would love one another. The family of God would be for one another. And this is just one grain on a very large beach of, oh, you pray for two churches. What do you think that does? I don't know, but I want to do something. Amen. I want to have a voice and just speaking blessing over my brothers and sisters. It's, it, for me, I am passionate about the bride. I love Life Church. It's a fabulous church. We, like I said, we're privileged to be part of it. But my, my heart beats for the bride the Church of Jesus Christ, in this city. I want to do everything I can to promote togetherness, unity, being for one another, one another's success, to be a powerful family that the world would take notice and say, wow, look at the church pulling for one another, working with one another, changing society, blessing society, loving society. It's the beauty of unity, the power of unity. Psalm 133. I love this psalm. It's short. I can remember it. How good and how pleasant it is when God's people, who? When God's people live together in unity. It's going to take a miracle. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon, one part of Israel, were falling down on a different part of Israel, Mount Zion. Two different locations, same dew. For where there's unity, this is what the Bible says, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. If you want your church to be blessed, find family, find unity, love the people of God, love other people in other churches. He, when he finds people living together, he can't help himself. He pours out blessing. He loves it. Rather than, well, I don't think they speak in tongues. Well, I don't even, the way they take communion, they, once a year, what's wrong with them people? It's so easy to find offense. It's so easy to find difference and accentuate the difference. Do you know, and again, I was thinking about this morning, not on my notes, sorry. I was just thinking about how we think whatever we're doing is probably the best. Does anybody ever think that? Whatever we're doing, it's probably the right way. Otherwise, we'd be doing something else. And I was just thinking about communion. You know, and we had, our, we had COVID communion. You know, the little bitty, it's almost like an hourglass. You know, you flip it, flip it, down it. And then it got sour. Do you remember? Anybody experienced sour? Yes. Lord Jesus. And uh, again, it's, you know, it's like the 
bitter herbs that they had at the Passover. I think, okay, okay, this is hurtful. But I was thinking about communion. I thought, okay, when I got saved, it was 1977, big church in the St. Louis side. When we had communion, it was a goblet. And it was wine. It was no, no Welch's. It was wine. And we had long rows because it was a big church. And they would pass this goblet down. And you, you wanted to sit on the, the aisle. You got a 50-50 chance on the aisle. In the middle, you're done. There's floaters. I'm just saying, true story. Is that a true story? There were floaters in there. And the, the, the usher at the end of the aisle, he'd have his little handkerchief, and he'd be getting all the lipstick off, you know, uh, to pass it down the next row. And, Lord, you prayed. You prayed when communion was dispersed. I'm not going to go there. And that was just, that was normal communion. Common cup is what we called it. You know, common floaters. It, and now, you know, everything's individualized, and you think, well, this is the way it went. But in 1977, that's communion. That's we did it. But, you know, that's not the way it was done in the Bible. When Jesus instituted, it was a full-blown meal. It was a meal. It wasn't just, you know, a little, you know, a wafer, a little sniglet of bread. And then 1 Corinthians, as they practiced... It was a full-blown meal. It wasn't just, you know, pass this around, a little wafer, a little thing of that. They, it, you read, it's in 1 Corinthians 11, somewhere around t- verse 12 and 13. Paul was indicting them, chastising them, because people were eating their entire meal by themselves during the Lord's Supper. They weren't waiting for other people. And it said, some of you are eating, and some of you are getting drunk during communion, the Lord's Supper. Why? Because it was real wine. Read, read your Bible, 1 Corinthians 11. It was real wine. And then, but it's just whatever we do we think is best. And we can look at other churches and think, they're not doing it right. But if you look at the experience, think, stop judging, Tom, other churches and their expressions and how they do what they do. Whether they meet on Wednesday night or Saturday or Sunday. I am so far off track. How beautiful is family? Your family is so weird compared to my family. And people look at my family and go, Tom, Randy, what did you do? We raised some interesting people. But family, it's, it's unique. And again, I'm not going to go into it this morning. I touched on it last week. My family was so broken, so shattered growing up. All I knew was broken family. And maybe now... At this point in my life, why family, healthy family, strong family, powerful family is so important to me, because I know what it's like on the other side. I know what it feels like when it's disjointed and fractured, and people don't talk to each other. You don't see them at Christmas. You don't see them on birthdays, because it's so fractured. That's the way I grew up. My sister didn't go to my, my mother's funeral. My sister didn't go to my dad's funeral. A lifetime, not a two bad years. So maybe that's why family is so important to me, because I've experienced in the natural fractured family, which unfortunately can be a picture of church family also, split after split, denomination after denomination. And Jesus wants one beautiful bride that actually loves each other in spite of our, as I said last week, our idiot syncrasies, (laughs) our, 
our nuances, our subtleties, our personalities, and all of our strong opinions and all of my strong opinions. Jesus, help us to find healthy family. Many of you will know we had, we, Randy and I, had a daughter who got married maybe six weeks ago. It was a great, great time. Love our son-in-law. And, yeah, I think he's here. Uh, we also have a son who's getting married in a few weeks, yeah. our son Andrew. If you know who he is, he's not back there. Don't look <laughs> back and see him. So our, our daughter got married in Mexico. Our son is getting married in Herman. I mean, that's really close. But our son's wedding, it's just... It's so exciting. It's so extravagant. It's wonderful and everything. And, you know, all the preparation, the makeup, the hair, the false eyelashes, the fingernails, the toenails, the expense. And that's just Andrew. <laughs> Sorry, son. I love you. That's, no, that's Kelsey. That's the girl side. But all the preparation, all the doodads to make it just so beautiful, so perfect, so wonderful. And I just felt the Lord say, will you apply the same preparation to make my bride beautiful for a day that's coming as sure as we're sitting here today? The same preparation, the same zeal, the same expense, the same extravagance. And it's all happening in here. Preparing my heart to be beautiful, to be lovely for a day when I stand before him and he comes and accepts us together as a bride, and I can't do anything about you. I can't fix you. I can't do your heart. I can't make you do anything, but I can do something about me. I can prepare my heart to love people who look different than me, act different, have different values, have different desires, different priorities in life. But he's coming back for a bride. Could you put up Revelation 19.7 one more time? He's coming is for a wedding for the lamb, Jesus, and his bride has made herself ready. Father, in my heart, what do I need to do to make myself ready? I can't make my wife do what I want her to do. I can't make my kids. I can't make the person down the street at First Baptist or Third Catholic or whatever. But Lord, can I love them? Can I speak well of them? Can I bless them in my heart? Acknowledging they're, we're on the same team. Help me, Jesus, to find unity, to find beauty, to find your heart for people. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. The first one is in Ephesians. It's Ephesians 4. In fact, let me, let me start. I'm sorry. My fault. John, John 17. This is Jesus speaking. It's John 17, 11, and verse 20 to 23. And this is Jesus' heart. He's getting close to departing. He's got disciples. He's got followers. He's got so many. But he looks at the gang, the guys, the people that have been with him close. And he's sharing his heart. And he's saying, this is so important. Guys, if you get anything, get this. John 17, 11. I will remain, this is Jesus speaking, I will remain in the world no longer. But they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they, us, may be one as we are one. Verse 20, 
My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, which is us. Verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. Why? For what? That they may be one as we are one. I have heaven inside of me. Not that I would live blessed in my own little world, in my own enjoyment. The glory of heaven is inside of me that I could find heaven with you. That Jesus, that the people in the world will look and see Jesus as they see us. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me, even as you have loved me. Jesus, what, what can I do? How can I, what, what can I practically, physically do so that people see Jesus in the church? And not another fracture and another, well, we do this and we don't believe in them. Ephesians 4, verse 1 through 6. I'm going to read two verses. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. This is the Apostle Paul writing. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. What does that look like? What is living a life worthy? What does that look like? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What can I do? Speak well of other churches. Speak well of other people. What can I do? Put on complete humility and gentleness. Stop comparing. Stop pointing fingers. What can I do? Speak well of others. Keep someone safe with my words. So you hear someone tearing down this ministry or that ministry. Keep someone safe with my words. Be someone who finds something beautiful about them and say it. Make an appointment with someone, maybe from a different church, and ask them about their church. What's happening in their church? How can I pray for your church? It's so easy to love people, but it takes intention. It takes purpose. Second thing, and I'll close with this verse, is Colossians 3, verse 1 through 16. Colossians 3, verse 1 through 16. Again, the Apostle Paul writing. He says, Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He starts with this. Get your mind where Jesus is. Don't worry about what other churches are doing or other people, and that, that's crazy. Why do they do that? Father, set my mind with him 
on places above. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Stop worrying about eschatology. Well, stop arguing about eschatology. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is in your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs in your, to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways and the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger. Oops. Rage. Oops. And it's not just confined to Highway 70. <laughs> not going there. But get rid of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. How do I do this? Clothe yourselves with compassion. Clothe yourselves with kindness. Clothe yourselves with humility. Clothe yourselves with gentleness. And clothe yourselves with patience. Well, they irritate me. Verse 13. Bear with each other. And forgive one another. But you don't know what they did. Doesn't make any difference. We all have our horror stories. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I just want to take a second. And I just want you to think about, in a previous church or churches, someone who hurt you. Typically, unfortunately, it's a leader. Typically, but not always, it's a pastor. But it could be that person where you were slighted, where you were not thought of, where you were hurt, or someone said something about you. I just want you to just think for a second, who is that person, and is it time to finally forgive? Is it time to finally let it go? Is it time to say, Lord, I forgive them. You forgave me. It's time to let it go. Just think for just a second. See if the Holy Spirit brings anybody or any situation of people where that's it. Father, I'm going to choose to believe the best. I don't know what was going on in that person's life. I don't know what was going on in their heart. But Lord, it hurt. It hurt. And I'm choosing to forgive. And as much and as important, I'm choosing to let it go. That every time that person, those people come to mind, I'm going to speak blessing over their life.
I'm not going to keep hitting the rerun button over and over and over again, which is a chain to my past that keeps pulling me back. Father, I choose to forgive them finally, finally and completely and not bring it up again. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to hold broken people responsible when, Father, I know I've offended people that I don't even know about. And, Father, I pray they let me go. I pray they don't hold me hostage in unforgiveness any longer. I pray they let me go. As I forgive others, Father, I'm forgiven. Verse 13 again. Colossians 3. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. There just seems to be a theme throughout the whole Bible. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, songs of the Spirit, from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Father, I thank you that I, I know and I believe this church has uh, been called to be uh, a peacemaker. Not a peacekeeper, a peacemaker. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you want to do that in us and through us. That we would choose love, we would choose grace, we would choose forgiveness over holding offense. And Father, in the days going forward, that it would start at least with our mouths, if not our hands, that we would bless your bride. And whatever street address they would, whatever leader uh, that I hear about, Father, the blessing would come off my lips. And not criticism, not finding difference and accentuating and highlighting difference. But, Father, I would bless them. Lord, we, we want you to come back in our generation. We want you. We long for you, King Jesus. But I want to do my little part in speaking well of a beautiful bride and making her lovely. Preparing the bride, the Bible says. Preparing my own heart. That it would be something that would make you smile. Something that would bring joy to your heart as you look at my heart. Father, I choose life. I choose to speak blessing. Yes, there's problems. Yes, there's differences. But Father, the words out of my mouth emanating from clean water, streams of living water on the inside of me. May I be a lover of your church and not a critic. Help me, Father, to be a bridge builder and to love people as you've loved me. Father, bless this church family in going forward that you would find unity, us living together in unity, that it would incur your favor and blessing in this house, that healings would be the common thing just because people living and loving in unity. Amen. Healings break out. New birth breaks out. Why? Because your favor is on us. Because we've chosen blessing rather than criti uh, critiquing. Help me, Father. Help me. 
to be part of making your bride beautiful. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Have an amazing week. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.